Rich, for those of you who just skipped over that, this is bringing out Brendan's inner actor. This rich bone broth around the ragged rocks. Sorry, Brendan. <laughs> the Pet Health and Happiness Podcast from Bella and Duke, keeping you at the cutting edge of pet nutrition, behavior, and health with expert interviews, mythbusters, and more to ensure your pet lives a long, happy, healthy life. We are super excited to be talking to you about the benefits of bone broth. Brendan, there's a rumor out there that this is one of our favorite topics. What say you? Yes, I love a bit of bone broth. It's a marvelous thing and it should be in everybody's freezer, ready for use. 100%. Well, without further ado, because I'm sure people, in fact, you know, let's just put a little flag in the ground here. There are a lot of people who talk about bone broth and you, you hear these kind of quasi mumbo jumbo benefits, okay? Mm -hmm. And I think in this episode, we should really go through some of the basics, but explain why with some of the exciting science behind. So people are empowered. And I think it's really cool when you can explain it past the dinner party test, i.e. somebody asks you something, when you're sitting around having some food with them, they go, yeah, but why does that work? And you give them a powerful answer and they go, oh, and there's that penny drop moment. This is the episode for you guys. If you want to know about bone broth, here's Dr. Brendan and Rowan on their favorite topic. So, Brendan, um, let's just start right at the beginning. What is bone broth? Okay, so uh, look, you can buy bone broths. They're, they're ready-made for you. I think Bella and Duke do a great one too, uh, but it's also easy to make. And it literally is uh, bone material, choose your bone. So if your dog can accept beef, go for beef. If they can't, if they're uh, chicken only, then go for chicken. But literally <clears throat> just use some carcass material, uh, break open the bones, the long bones particularly, so the main weight-bearing bones. You can smash them with a hammer. Um, just open up the marrow. That's really good. You just chuck it into a three liter slow cooker um, and then just top it off with water. And that's the basics for a bone broth. Now, what we often will do is add in some peppercorns and just three or four cloves of garlic um, and then just let that simmer. OK, with a little bit of apple cider vinegar for about six to eight hours at least. Some people will go for a full 24 really depends. You end up with this lovely, rich, um, you know, nutrient. Uh... <laughs> rich. For those of you who just skipped over that, this is bringing out Brendan's inner actor. This rich bone broth around the ragged rocks. Sorry, Brendan. <laughs> You just want to bring in some extra um, elements to this, but it is uh, just full of nutrients. So we've covered what bone broth is, and you made some important points here. So I just want to clarify a couple of things, because the first thing people are going to say is, but I thought garlic's toxic for dogs. Now, guys, in a three litres of bone broth, a couple of cloves of garlic is plenty. It's never going to overdose your dog. In fact, Garlic itself has lots of immunomodulating benefits and can be great antiparasitic, antibacterial. The key is in the dosage. So what Brendan's talked about here is the garlic is, is a really, really low, very tolerable dose for both dogs and cats. So you can be relaxed about that. Just to reiterate, the scientific paper that looked at toxicity in garlic looked at the equivalent of 
20 cloves daily for seven days to cause a toxic effect in dogs in a 20 kilo dog so just to give you an idea that's how much now if you're making three liters of uh, bone broth and you're putting in three to four cloves of garlic you're not going to be feeding those three to four cloves in one day because three liters is a lot of bone broth so just just remember, it's enough to just help um, uh, keep the bone broth a little bit longer. It has adds some other benefits, as you've said, to the gut flora. So, um, yeah, toxicity is way off the table. And the next point, in case anybody says, so why do we need apple cider vinegar in there? There's a really good reason, isn't there, Brendan? And I'm going to throw this ball back over to you. Yeah, it helps the extraction of all of the, the nutrients uh, from that bone. I do end up adding some more at the end of the cook process um, because I feel that it also, the apple pectins and things like that that are in the mother within the, um, the apple cider vinegar also help with the enhancing the gut flora so when we talk about what's happening with your microbiome i think it's really important to um, you know do everything we can in that mix to uh, stabilize that what's it good for so i would say great for as a pre-appetent okay so something that gets them ready for food okay so all of the nutrients and how they interact with the gut and the gut flora um, and almost establishing the physiology of your pet ready for the food to come um, so great as appetite stimulant as um, a pre-digestive um, and then also we've got for those dogs that have had poor or, and cats that have poorly stomachs, poorly intestines, you know, for great for healing, you know, where they've had chronic inflammatory disease, chronic inflammation, uh, ulceration, leaky guts, all of those where it will help tighten up the, um, the tight junctions within the intestinal wall, um, reduce inflammation. And again, all of those animals that have had chronic medications where their gut flora has been influenced, you know, re-establishing a really good microbiome. Um, so giving that on a constant basis. And it can be as little as a cup a day um, down, you know, up to it could be the sole diet for two to three days if your dog's had really horrendous diarrhea. Um, and so it's adapting the needs of the patient. And I guess one of the points we gently skipped over is it's really good as an appetite stimulant because as I understand, it helps the uh, digestive enzyme secretion process. It sets up a whole signaling cascade for the dog or cat to start releasing digestive enzymes. Is that correct? That's part of the physiology of what's within it. There are some fats, there are some, you know, proteins uh, within there that will help, you know, when they hit sensors within the stomach um, and into the intestine, it helps the pancreas to start activating and, and things like that in some aspects, but also bile release. So getting the liver to function better. Um, uh, and that's then the absorption of fats properly. So yeah, there's a number of things you can slim down the fat levels because you can skim off excess fat from uh, the bone broths. If you're particularly worried with um, pancreatitis um, being active at that point in time. So there's lots of ways to adapt the bone broth depending on what the needs of the patient are. Do you know, I love this. Why? Because it actually it's a key tool, I think, in the, shall we say, the battle against pancreatitis, which we know for many processed food fed dogs is on the rise in the UK and Europe, in fact, globally. Um, and I think consistently, 
all of the vets that I've had the luxury of speaking to, including your good self, use uh, bone broth as part of that battle. Uh, but the key is a couple of things, I guess. And one is ensuring that it's not too much fat for your dog or cat to handle. But also, um, there are a couple of people who have perhaps made the mistake that they've made it exactly the same recipe as human bone broth, and they've put a little bit too much salt in there for a dog or cat to handle. So I think that's something else we need to be a bit sensitive about. Yeah, and actually, I never feel the need to put salt in. Um, yeah. Honestly, uh, it is, you know, black peppercorns and garlic pretty much will be enough. You know, there's the natural flavors of the bone itself uh, will come out. There is no real need to add those extra extractions in, in my point, in, from my point of view. I think there's enough content that you get from that. And just remember, if your dog has had pancreatitis, but doesn't currently have an episode, leaving the fat content in is absolutely fine. It's normal, it's great, it works, okay? It's only if they're currently in an active phase where the inflammation is activating enzymes within the pancreas that you need to back off stimulating the lipases and stuff being activated and, and in, produced in excess. So that's why we just strip back the fats a little bit. She just flourished. She adores dinner. She gets so excited. She does like a little bum dance. Um, she got karma. She's just packed on muscle rather than fat. Like she's got, she's just such a nice shape now. Um, and she's just got so much energy as well. Loki, um, two days in a row feeding his poo was a normal poo. Um, did we celebrate? Yeah, we did. Because <laughs> it, you know, a year of chocolate fountain <laughs> to two days in raw and a perfect poo, you, you, you can't beat it. I find Bell and Duke so easy to feed. And they're always updating their website, they've got nutrition information from Rowan, um, he's always interviewing um, holistic vets as well, they, they have raw feeders so they've got great experience. Honestly, I just don't think there's a reason not to try it, I think it's just you will notice a difference in your dog so quickly. They will become so happy and so healthy. You'll be just, you would have loved to have changed. So I guess the next part of it is when would you use it? What are your top three, four reasons or how you would use it, Brendan? Definitely if a pet has had um, diarrhea and following that um, often where they've had um, antibiotics given um, and that yep. may have left them with some loose stool um, and the antibiotics could have been for anything from skin problems, abscesses, you know, lung problems through to intestinal issues. Um, so, you know, using it alongside a great probiotic. Um, there's some great ones out there. I think uh, Bella and Duke do Phytospore um, that you'll see on their website. Uh, there's some great um, options to add in extras with that. Um, so using that, uh, where animals have maybe had long-term illness and they're just a bit off with their appetite, they don't you know, go straight for the food, or you're transitioning to raw, you know, and they need a little bit more addition onto that. Yeah, those are great points to actually go, do you know what? I'm going to add a little bit of bone broth just before I feed them that or with what I'm going to feed them. And it just enhances uh, their enjoyment of the food. It's a really good point, actually, Brendan. 
Um, we, we've seen certainly with the cats, moving cats onto raw, we've had a huge uptick in people who thought their cats were fussy and actually they were just simply slightly addicted to the cat crack in, in processed food. And simply by mixing either some new food with their old food, or even we came up with this cunning plan to actually put a little bit of bone broth into their own food to get them used to the flavors of bone broth, which we put in our raw cat food. And the, the uptick in success and ease for people, if they just change their timeline from day on day to one to 10 days with this addition of bone broth, it just seems to be the, the magic ingredient. Because let's face it, at heart, intuitively, animals know what's good for them. And it, every time, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, it's, it's just so many things that it can be used for. Uh, just because the microbiome has so much influence on the whole body. So oh, uh, wow, you know, that's the uh, the thing that you've got to uh, remember when you're using bone broth. We're like two excited eight year olds. We keep tripping over each other here with facts. Um, <laughs> so. One of the main reasons it helps modulate the uh, immune system, just to throw some more science into it, and I'm, I'm teeing you up here, uh, is the glycoaminoglycans, aren't they, which are found within the bone broth. So, Brendan, talk, us about, talk to us about those. Oh, look, these are great building blocks for loads of, of things from, you know, we, we talk about them for all sorts of, of reasons, but I think, you know, they actually act also as good fibers for the microbiome. You know, they are um, where we would think of for a normal herbivore, a cow or, or something that's, you know, chomping through lots of greenery and cellulose and having huge fermenting chambers within their guts to start to produce essential fatty acids from uh, that um, soup that they create um, you know for dogs and cats they don't have these large chambers they don't have this ability to digest um, you know these sort of insoluble plant fibers we need to understand that the gut flora in dogs and cats is slightly different and the fibers that they thrive on are also slightly different and often found in meats and bones and sinews um, and actually where we can release that in bone broth and then present it in a readily usable form helps enhance their growth well this is awesome this is awesome and it's a really gentle reminder to everyone that actually your pet is not a herbivore um, if it's a dog or a cat, it's a carnivore and it needs meat to really thrive. And obviously these short chain fatty acids we're talking about, butyrates, they are super important signaling uh, fatty, fatty acids, which actually help regulate its whole immune system. So these fibers, I always think it really helps to think about growing a beautiful garden, which protects your dog or cat inside them think of it as a greenhouse and when you're putting things like bone broth in or phytospore what you're doing is you're either giving them a combination of the flowers which are going to grow the bacteria or the compost the fibers on which those flowers are going to flourish and this is really when people talk about prebiotics and brendan mentioned this earlier with apple pectins apple pectins are awesome found in the peel of apples these act as amazing bags of compost 
to grow some of the most beneficial bacteria out there, don't they, Brendan? These longevity bacteria. And this is why you're hosting this, because your wonderful ability to bring out metaphor is just uh, is just great. Let's have a little look at some of the different ways we can use bone broth. Uh, so I would say definitely using it as uh, a meal in itself. OK, so if you are um, you know, really worried about maybe they've had a dental um, and they're sore in their mouth um, and you want to give them a liquid feed, you know, you can use uh, bone broth as, as a sole uh, thing for them to have. Um, just small meals frequently. I tend to use it out of the freezer in a muffin sized pellet uh, that you just pop into a cup and then you literally uh, just pour on the hot water um, into the cup and that's a cup full of bone broth pop that into their dish and they'll lap it up. Okay. Um, awesome. That's, and you can give that, you know, for a, a 10 kilo dog, they could have six, seven of those through the day without any problems whatsoever. Um, I've had some people feed a liter a day, which is just like, wow, that's, that seems a lot, but they're probably supplemented. That's without them having other foods. Okay. etc. So do, do think of that in its own right. It can be used in those circumstances. 100%. And uh, this leads beautifully on to another question, which is, can you actually OD on bone broth? Can you feed them too much? No, I mean, it's one of those. It's really, uh, you know, they, there's going to be a limit as to how much they want to take on. Okay. Um, but the thing is that all that you're going to be doing there's a, a natural limit as to how much the gut flora will utilize that. And, you know, all that you'll end up with is a dog that wants to urinate more because all of the moisture that's going in with that broth is actually going to be extracted within the small intestine very, very quickly. Um, and they just have to get that out of their circulation through the kidneys. So they'll end up wanting to urinate more. So just be aware if you give too much, you might need to be having some visits to the garden a bit more frequently. And this is the key when you're feeding these natural foods with vitamins and minerals in, bound in in their natural format, is that the dog or cat will actively select what they need and reject what they don't. And this, for some reason, and we don't fully understand yet why, when you see these powders, which are added to super synthetic foods to actually make them complete, the dog or cat doesn't seem to have as much control over how much they absorb. Is that correct, Brendan? Yeah, so now this is a really interesting thing. If you add in inorganic compounds, so minerals in inorganic form, and they're not bound to anything, and we see this with a lot of you know uh, vitamins, they are yeah. very poorly absorbed or or not processed correctly if they are you know synthetically made and not bound in either a liposomal layer or a, um, a you know bound organically as an esterified version that we see them not being processed correctly. They, they more act on diffusion than they do on active transport. So there's some great mechanisms that we have as living organisms um, that allow us to choose what we take on board. And there's you know all sorts of mechanisms within the gut wall to control that. Um, and if you just add in salts, organic salts, um, then literally, the primary way of things transporting across a membrane is through something called diffusion. So it's just random, depends on the concentration on one side, will then vary the concentration on the other. 
And that is, so if you add in calcium carbonate as a salt, okay, then the level of calcium that's in there is going to be different to if that calcium is bound in bone material and how it's taken up. So, and then it's also relating to the other chemicals which are within the, um, that system as to what the active transport will then further force. So I think where companies are adding inorganic supplements onto uh, the foods, that's the worry, that's the concern, because that's when the bloodstream seems to vary much more with the resultant um, uh, levels, whereas we don't see that. If there's an excess, the body has amazing mechanisms to control those levels within the bloodstream, if it at all can. I'm, and I'm just going to throw a little torch of, of clarity onto this. For those of you listening who's confused by Brendan's enormous brain, um, when Brendan's referring to organic, inorganic, we're not talking about vegetables down at your local supermarket, some which have been sprayed, some which haven't. What we're talking about is things which are occurring in a natural form versus things which are synthetically made to try and replicate those organic natural forms. So that, there's that. Now, this is a really interesting experiment. For those of you listening at home who want to see if you're actually iodine deficient, a really cool experiment is to get something called Lugol's 5% iodine and put one drop on your forearm and just let that dry and set an alarm on your phone for four hours now. If that stain has disappeared in about four hours, it's because you are iodine deficient and your body is actually craving for that and will absorb it. If you've got sufficient iodine uh, in your system, in your diet currently, then that stain's gonna stay there because your body actively chooses not to absorb it. And this is the classic example of what Brendan is talking about. Now, you may say, well, why do I care about iodine? It's the primary element which gets used in your thyroid hormones. I'm going to leave it there. This isn't medical advice. That was just a lovely example of how we are selective creatures. A lot of our Bella and Duke pack are loving being innovative with the bone broth. They make them into kind of popsicles. They freeze it. They add it into their food. It's Prince. in the... Sorry? Little paw prints. Have you seen those? Oh, no. Little silicone molds now. You can put them into little pretty paw prints for your little pot. Brilliant. Because... As we know, most dogs are obsessed with Instagram. And for those of you wondering why this episode, I'm speaking closely into my microphone, our fabulous filmmaker, Chris, when asked earlier this week how we could radically improve the podcast, he said, why don't you try speaking into the microphone you bought? Now, uh, Chris, thank you for your insight. I appreciate your patience and good humor. We are trying to get better every week. If anybody else has any tips on how we can improve these, these episodes or anything they would actually like to hear us discuss, please do not hesitate. And more really sorry, Chris. Really, really sorry. <laughs> accept our formal apologies, Chris. You can leave that in. And uh, on another no note, come and join our Facebook group, Bella and Duke. Uh, we're on a mission. Uh, cat food is being a roaring success. Uh, the new factory is surpassing all standards. We're having a consistency and quality of, in our food that we, we, we dared to dream of. 
and we are super proud of what we're doing. So please come and join us. And if you have any questions, we're here to help. Brendan, do you think we've covered everything there? I think so. Yeah. Any other questions, please just pile them in and we'll answer them in future podcasts. We're here to help you with your pets and your health. Wishing you well. Have an amazing week and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you, Brendan. Thank you.